Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. What amends do you need to make for your past creative sins? How can you forgive yourself for the past creative mistakes you've made? Two deep questions from my conversation with Gary Rogowski, furniture maker, podcaster, author, and teacher. In this conversation, Gary shares stories that inspire his latest podcast project, Creativity, Hustlers, Fakers, and Thieves. Additionally, we discuss the creative process from different angles, forgiveness, and humility. It was an enriching conversation to have and to return to in the editing process. I hope you learn much from it as you continue your creative journey. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 633. We talked a little bit about what's filling your days right now, but uh, what's filling your curiosity tank today? Oh, well, that's an interesting question. Because <laughs> I got up this morning and, and that's supposed to be my writing time and I've been bad. I haven't been. And then I started to work on a proposal for a, for a class mm-hmm. and I'm really interested in the golden rectangle right now. I'm really interested in that. So I'm doing doing some reading on it. There's a book by uh, an astronomer called Mario Livio. Mm-hmm. I think it's just called The Golden Ratio. And um, most of the stuff just blows right by me. He's talking number theory and stuff. <laughs> right. Sexagesimal base systems. And, I, you know, <laughs> I thought she was a porn star. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, just it. He's in love with numbers, and so I sent a copy of the book to my my friend, the astronomer in Hawaii, who also is in love with numbers. Anyway, I was researching some stuff about the golden rectangle, the golden mean, but also mathematics. So, is mathematics an art or a science, mm. or neither? Interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting when you start to think about. How much we rely on numbers, obviously, zero and one are pretty big right. in our world right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everything, every invention has relied on. Well, <laughs> this is where the Livio book gets really interesting because he's talking about how, um, who was it? Buckminster, Buckminster Fuller, mm-hmm. the architect, uh, and not inventor, the designer of one geodesic dome idea uh, said, if the solution is beautiful, then I know it's right. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And mathematics can be really beautiful and I'm not that good at math, but it's still (laughs) fascinating. And it's, and it just sort of permeates the world in ways that you just, when you start to realize it, when you, you know, read a little bit, um, you go, Oh, Whoa, <laughs> it's uh, there's it's everywhere, yeah. and 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 the discoveries that mathematicians made over the centuries mm-hmm. must have been just mind blowing for them. Um, I mean, the circle, <laughs> the golden <laughs> rectangle, just those two numbers alone, which are irrational, mm-hmm. um, is enough to keep you busy for a lifetime. Two, yeah. really, just two, because they're infinite. Yeah, these numbers are infinite, and our and our ability to use them, for me, is a doorway to curiosity. How's mm-hmm. that? <laughs> that. To, to bring that back. No, uh, that's great. 
What's your astronomer friend think of the book? Uh, he's he's just getting started, so he, he doesn't have a a take on it yet. Uh, but I'm <laughs> going to try him, try and and uh, rope him into a discussion with me about mathematics and nice and design. And that, and that was I'm working on a proposal for uh, a course on on using the golden rectangle, the golden mean, mm -hmm. to help design some inlay and how we would do that and how you think about it. I've done that a little bit with my online mastery folks using um, just simple dot inlay and doing a golden spiral, which is fun. Yeah. And looks looks great. And everyone recognizes it and goes, <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> everyone does love it. And on my, my old studio building in Portland, uh, I got a grant to do some work on the outside of the building. So I put up some awnings and I spruced up the outside a little bit. And I had three murals put on the side of my building. Mm -hmm. And one was a mural of, of my first hand plane, the one that sort of piqued my curiosity about woodworking, mm -hmm. which I still own. I still have the hand plane. doesn't work worth a darn, but <laughs> I still have it. Uh, and the other was a hammer. Um, I don't know why I chose my Warrington hammer. I should have chose my my ball peen hammer because that's really the one I grabbed for the most. And the third was a picture of the golden spiral. Hmm. And um, I understand its importance now because I was standing at the roll-up door at the side of the building where these murals were on that wall, the north-facing wall. And some group of uh, drinkers from some nearby tavern came by and said, is this a golden spiral? We're on a scavenger hunt and we're supposed to find the golden spiral on the side of a building. I said, yeah, you found it. Wow. So, you know, my mission is complete. That's right. You've satisfied the check boxes for the local tavern. Yeah. Scavenger hunt. <laughs> scavenger hunt destination. How anyway. Cool, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it's fun. And the new owner of the building painted it, but he kept the mural. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny to say is math an art or a science or neither, because recently I've been reading a book about music theory. Right. They they did like the smallest dive into how math, you know, determines tone and pitch and all oh, that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I mean, my mind was blown just in the in the little bit that they tried to explain like tuning and and all that goes into the tones that we have in western music versus mm -hmm. you know eastern music or indian music it's it's yeah. fascinating it really is interesting um which book was it oh it was some free one on kindle i uh, I'd, I'd have to like put the sh uh, the title in the notes because i don't remember the title but it's it, what i like about it is that section aside it actually makes music theory come more alive than mm -hmm. than some of the other books that i've read where even like a dummy's book makes you feel like a dummy whereas this one <laughs> makes you feel like oh I, I can get this well it's pretty interesting the livio book talks about it a little a little bit what a half tone is and what a mm -hmm. tone is and an octave and yeah you know the just the so are there 13 keys black and white in an octave i think there are i think 12 12 yeah oh, damn it Hold on. Um, um anyway yeah there's there's ways of of looking at music 
from that perspective is pretty interesting. I, I got halfway through this book. Uh, this is your brain on music. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a little heady for me. <laughs> um, so, um, but years ago, I read a book, um, Girdle, Escher, and Bach. That was that was chewy. What I call a chewy book. It's like very dense, and um, and it went into detail about Bach's interest in mathematics and how his you know variations and sonatas and cantatas and all these things were really based on some mathematical principles and ideas. And yeah, it was really really fascinating. Hmm. I like I like how you describe a book as chewy. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, <laughs> my favorite food is a good chewy bagel. <laughs> so it's great. You know, there are some books you pick up and you just go, yeah, I can read this or not, or I'll blow through it. Mm -hmm. um, so can I give you a book recommendation? Oh, please. We'll just yeah. get that out of the way and we don't have to do that at the end. Oh, <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I'm jumping the gun. I read this book this summer. It's not chewy at all. Um, so it's not dense. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's by one of my favorite authors, Ivan Doig, D-O-I-G. Wonderful author. I put him down some years ago because I I read a real stinker by him. I won't tell you the name <laughs> of that book. Um, but he wrote uh Dancing at the Rascal Fair, he wrote English Creek, he wrote The Sea Runners. Um this House of Sky uh, was sort of a memoir that really put him on the map many years ago. This book I read called Last Bus to Wisdom is phenomenal. That's all I can say. It's phenomenal. I can't tell you anything more about it, but he surprised me three times in that book, and I was just, oh, <laughs> you bastard. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> really fun, really a fun book, but not chewy at all. Just fun to read. You know, just wanted, never wanted it to stop, never wanted it to end. Oh, that's a good sign of a book. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. And you know, at the end, you're going, oh, okay, this is a little <laughs> stretch things a little bit, but it was such a wonderful book. Uh, mm. So, highly recommend Last Bus to Wisdom, which is an actual place, I guess. Oh, yeah. So he he. he populates a story with actual places in oh montana idaho in that, that area interesting yeah yeah I, i'm reading a, an interesting one right now that that kind of caught me by surprise by a guy named joshua becker who was uh really popularized minimalism and uh his most recent book is called things that matter mm -hmm. and uh he he was talking about failure and specifically the fear of failure mm -hmm. and as he was describing it i'm like oh my god that's me in this phase of my life and it's i love how a book can do in a paragraph what we try to do through our entire careers or <laughs> our entire yeah. social media platform. And yet the right paragraph, the right sentence at the right time can do the work of, of a thousand books. Isn't language interesting? It's just so interesting. It just, yeah, it has that capacity to move us and 
encapsulate an idea just or a life you know, yeah as you say yeah that's pretty great well yeah. failures failure is a big one that's it's for me it's been one of the hardest things to to deal with and this new podcast is absolutely going to deal with it it's our our second episode is going to be on failure mm. um just because it's a part of the of the process of creating mm -hmm. um it's not oh i'm gonna be creative today therefore <laughs> boom there i've created something you're not oh. good. yeah exactly <laughs> halo behind my head yeah none of that yeah <laughs> you know when i think i've done that i'll look at it the next day and go god that's crap mm -hmm. <laughs> who did that <laughs> um no it's a process of of trying something and going, oh, I mean, that doesn't work. Got to try something else. And how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's not, th these aren't mistakes. They're just the wrong path. You got to back up and go down a different way. And, and learning how to deal with that, particularly in the, in the wood shop, which can be so um, technique driven mm -hmm. um, and long, it's a really long process. Right. Um, that having things go awry on you is <laughs> can be difficult. Yeah, unforgiving was the word I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a podcast uh, or an episode on splinters. Um, let me see if I can remember the title. Um, nah, it's not coming to me right now, but it's a oh, um, gluing up something like practicing your glue ups and uh and it starts out as very calm and sedate and measured voice talking about all the things you need to get ready and then something goes wrong and then i i go into a two-minute tirade of <laughs> of no swear words but made up swear words um <laughs> it's so much fun uh, and that that just happens. I mean, you just lose your <laughs> lose your mind sometimes. Yeah. I moved out to this new space. I've got. I came from a shop that was ten thousand square feet, and moved into a shop that's six hundred square feet. Wow! Did I mention that I'm not good at math? <laughs> and but you're I've good had, at moving things. Oh, I have so much stuff. And I, you know, I sold some, which is great. I put some in a shipping container, which is great. And I'm, you know, still struggling. And and I told my friends that came by this weekend, and I said, if there was a critter cam on me as I was working on this shop, you'd see the the roll-up door fly open sometimes and things just getting thrown out. <laughs> just <laughs> just lost it it's because yeah, you're moving piles four or five times and they're still in your way and you keep putting them in your way and yeah so that's a that was that's been a challenge but uh, we're getting there that's good yeah so you, you've alluded to two podcasts at this point so yeah. obviously you're no stranger to it at what point did podcasting enter your field of view as something you wanted to do Oh, it was about, it was pre-COVID, um, probably 2019, 2018, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking with some students and they said, oh, well, you know, you should do a podcast and maybe get some of your thoughts out in this, in this fashion. Yeah. And one of the things that has always been true in, in my life is um, I've been hustling. 
because <laughs> nothing is given to you and you just have to work hard at it. And, and so this was an opportunity. And then I started it and I really went gung ho on it. I was recording a podcast every week mm -hmm. for a couple of months until I woke up and went, I got to take a break. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. Yes. Um, coming up with content that I thought was good. And uh, so that, you know, I learned a little bit and I did some interviews, but mostly these are my podcast, which I, after a, a year, year and a half, named Splinters, <laughs> uh, which seemed apt for my, yeah. my world and life. And um, slowed down a little bit. And uh, when COVID hit, it was just this perfect opportunity to come up with some essays. Mm -hmm. either audio essays or written essays and then and then speak them and and it's been great fun so that one started uh yeah about three years ago yeah i love that correct me if i'm wrong but i i did i hear that you named it splinters a year and a half after you started yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah i didn't know what it was i mean yeah we you're supposed to have a title i like you know yeah. hi <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this, this is gary hi how are you <laughs> you know you feel stupid doing this at first particularly you know yeah you know what it's like you're sitting there talking to a microphone in a room by yourself you're going oh yeah well this is odd <laughs> some people can do it real like that isolated experience by themselves some people are just like i i can do that for obviously a long time i i never realized how hard it is for other people though yeah it can be really tough yeah and other people, they hate to be on camera. <laughs> they will, you know, they just clam up when they're on camera. They're not, they're not themselves. But the podcast world has has certainly changed since I started, and you know, it's it's become such an interesting vehicle for so many different voices, um, yeah, and platforms. You know, I I listen to some. I don't listen to a lot of them, but. I, I try to describe it to this uh, writer, teacher, uh, performance artist that that was my writing teacher, and uh, and I said it's like radio. <laughs> it's radio. I mean, that's the best way to I think to describe it. And and the great thing about radio is is it allows the listener's imagination to go place. Yeah, I actually prefer to listen to some stories than than read them. Mm -hmm. and listening to a, I don't care what kind of game, basketball, baseball, football, that can be great. If you've got a good announcer, it can be great. You don't need to see it because most of those games are so boring. All, <laughs> all three of those sports are so boring to watch. <laughs> but if you've got a good announcer, you know, like you can do your stuff and listen in. Yeah. And there's a million, million podcasts out there now. Yeah. So, but there's still a great opportunity for people to uh, express some ideas. Yeah. And given that there's a million podcasts out there, what made you want to start a second one? <laughs> well, I wanted to be the two millionth. Yes. <laughs> I missed. Um, <laughs> well, I had this idea. About math. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't count. <laughs> I had this idea and I, I started working on it last yeah, about this time last year. And it was based. Well, one of my students came to me, he said, 
hey, we should do a television show and go on the road and visit these other woodworkers up and down the West Coast. And wouldn't it be great? And I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's been done before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he said, oh, I'll be just like Anthony Bourdain. It'll just, you know, it'll be amazing. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I said, okay, well, uh, I like drinking with you, but I, I don't know that, that, you know, this is really the best use of our time. Um, so years ago at studio, um, you know, probably 10, 12 years ago, I started doing these chats mm-hmm. and, um, I likened them to, a. if you're familiar with this term, a Chautauqua where people gather and, and discuss ideas. And my goal was to bring woodworkers because that's my audience together, but to discuss things other than woodworking. Right. And so I would invite other artists in to talk about curiosity Mm. or inspiration. Mm. Uh, We talked about um, creativity with a poet and a garden designer. Mm. And the, the poet, this was fascinating at the time was a, um, teacher and a writer, um, David Byspiel, really bright guy. And he was running a, a, a writing school in, in Portland called the Attic Institute. And he was talking about his, his youth and his sport, which was competitive diving. Mm. And he was diving against the biggest name in diving, history, Greg Luganus. Oh, wow. So he was high level, <laughs> yeah, a high level diver. And he said, creativity is when you've left the platform or the diving board and you have a second and a half to correct all the mistakes you've just made. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, it was just such an interesting way of thinking about creativity and yeah and the uh, time frame and 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 a sport and just you know just brings up all these other ideas about creativity that i just thought was fascinating and um and sean's a garden designer and and really a visionary uh started this nursery and is putting together a botanical garden um the portland botanical gardens right now and wow um so his his take on it is from a completely different perspective and and then i gave my own and that three is you know uh another perspective on it so those kinds of conversations where there are no real right answers but there are uh points of view that uh, you may not have thought of and are fascinating to hear Um, yeah that's that's really what i wanted to recreate and we put together a a video pilot but uh didn't get much traction with that and so we're we're backing up a little bit and uh gonna build an audience for this idea and a new podcast uh and website called creativity hustlers fakers and thieves (laughs) and i don't know why i don't have that t-shirt already we need it exactly when i get them i'll send you one um so the website will be creativity-hft, so people can find it and not have to write it all out. But that's a, that's our idea is to interview folks who uh, have different perspectives on things, mm-hmm. and also 
include the idea of a master and apprentice. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the student who came to me, Ali, um, had been through my mastery program and really bright guy. He's got a PhD in comparative literature, really smart, oh, wow. smart guy. But he, you know, he wanted to take up woodworking and he's been at it for five years and has a different perspective than I do because he's just starting. So we, we chat a little bit about the idea and the topic for that show. And then I interview our, our artist and then we wrap up talking about some of the issues that came up or questions that came up and mm -hmm. so i'm hoping to elicit some interesting responses from sure. people from people who don't talk about this stuff yeah because you don't talk about well what do you think about failure <laughs> right no one wants to talk about that and yet it's what we're all feeling on yeah every, oh yeah every day yeah well i just had a, a student write to me we've got a new online class starting next week and he wrote and said well i don't want to be the outlier asking you know being the one person using this kind of tool and i wrote him back and i said trust me everyone feels like an outlier yeah <laughs> everyone in class feels like they don't belong yeah so get, try to get comfortable with that <laughs> ali in our very first episode it's just he and i talks about how in um his one graduate seminar the teacher walked in the door and and someone asked her or she just delivered this information that oh yeah nobody knows what they're doing at this <laughs> level none of us know and she's teaching the, the yeah. phd candidates she said yeah we're just we're just faking it and everyone's <laughs> um a little taken aback by that um <laughs> But you know, certainly in, in the in the world of academia, it's you know, here's an idea, defend it, right? And can you? And, uh, so now, in the world of woodworking, uh, I suppose in the world of podcasting too, you got to come up with a good idea and, and deliver on it. Yeah. So, and then deliver it again. Yeah. And again. And yeah. again. Yeah. again. <laughs> what What's interesting, Gary, is is so far in just our time together i've heard two of the three parts of that title i've heard you describe yourself as always hustling yeah and then in that story that ollie shared you know we're all faking oh yeah so where does thieves enter the picture oh well we're all thieves <laughs> <laughs> i mean i didn't think of, of the idea of a podcast did you no someone someone did we're just piggybacking on that idea that um i've mentioned this book before um please be seated vitola rybczynski and he talks about chair design and you're either doing a a replica or a variation of four or five different chair designs mm -hmm. there are no other new designs according to him and he may be right but i think that's true of of design and art and podcasting in general is that oh that worked for him <laughs> oh she's really good at doing that i that happened to me once i was uh so at the studio it was a big space and um i let the uh tiny house group uh portland alternative dwellings pad hmm. was their name and they would come and give they did like a series of of talks and you know, 100 people would show up and, and they'd have a 
a speaker. And uh, this one gal came in and her first, the first thing she did in front of the audience, they're all seated in front of her and she's pretty famous and got a book out. And I think she downsized from a big 200 square foot tiny house to a 60 square foot tiny house. It's like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> um, her first move on stage on, on the floor uh, was to start clapping her hands and running back and forth across the, the audience. Mm. I thought, what is she doing? But she got everyone excited. <laughs> I thought, what a great idea. <laughs> so, you know, it's, thievery is just keeping your eyes open uh, and, and watching someone do something and go, well, I, I'm not going to do that, mm -hmm. but I could do something like that. And so when my uh, book Handmade came out, I went on a small book tour, some, some cities. And what I would do was I would stand and I would talk about how I had learned Tai Chi at this craft school years ago at Aramont School. And uh, I always wanted to do it. And I was really grateful that I, that I had learned it. And, so please stand up with me and I'd have everyone stand up and I'd say, now my teacher always used to say that just do what I do. Mm -hmm. So make sure you do that. Now let me put on some music. And then I would put on, um, usually I'd put on the Beatles back in the USSR. And uh, then I'd start dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would be looking at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? And some would dance with me, some wouldn't. Nice. And, you know, I wouldn't make it last too long. I wouldn't make them suffer too long. You know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And then I'd shut it off and I'd go, there, I've made a complete ass of myself in front of me. And I'm relaxed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, so that was my version of uh, running across the room, clapping, clapping yeah. her hands. Um, but the first uh, minute I know as a teacher is, is super important mm -hmm. with your audience. You can lose them and never get them back you can lose them and get them back but I mean, you can also win them right then right. and after that point well you can tell them anything <laughs> i'm just thinking of a politician right now uh, you can tell them lies and people will believe you yeah. um but you got to win them over and that's uh that's the job of a good podcaster actor Radio performer, politician, yeah, sportscaster. So, at what point do we win ourselves over? Do you think? Well, I think you have to have a certain um, belief in in what you're doing from the outset. I don't think you can do it if you're if you don't feel it. You mm -hmm. can't fake it. Um, so, even if you have doubts, doubts are normal and are human and. Oh, I just fell into that category. I'm human. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a good category to be in. Um, I, I just, I think you, yeah, it's, it's akin. It's not exactly this, but it's akin to, um, someone saying, Oh, I was afraid. I, I didn't want to be afraid. And, mm -hmm. and someone else going, if you're not afraid, you're crazy. <laughs> you, you, you're afraid. And then you act based on your fear in a foxhole, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, speaking in front of a group or 
trying to promote an idea, yeah, you're going to doubt yourself and whether you said it correctly or won people over or not, you'll, you'll find out. But I think you have to come in with a certain amount of belief in yourself. Yeah. It's there. And I, you know, part of my goal in this new podcast is to convince people that they, they can be creative, um, that it's not a special club that only a few people get to join. Right. Because, because that's what the New York Times would have you believe. Yes. And I'm so sick of that paper. <laughs> and I read it all the time because, uh, you know, yeah, anyway. Um, but, you know, it's not just them. It's all, it's all the, the media outlets that are in love with um, famous people. Fame. Fame. We listen to actors talk about politics and ideas and some of them are smart and it's fun to listen to and others you just go oh really go away <laughs> um but you know we give them this this special um quality that they may or may not deserve because they're famous mm -hmm. and it's just it's not right and it it allows some people to just oh well i have nothing to i have nothing to and i feel like a thief mm -hmm. right I feel like I, I don't have any original ideas. Mm -hmm. And everyone has thought that. Right. But um, so sh we should be original in our fears. <laughs> well, again, we can't. <laughs> We're human. I mean, it's, you know, I was thinking about um, stories because mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I try and write a story every, every now and then. And my essays are story driven. Mm -hmm. But the stories are always the same. There's a book on it, Seven Greatest Plots, or The Seven Plots. I forget the exact title of it. And uh, they're written in history. And, you know, the Odyssey is one, which is Voyage and Return. And then, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk is another. And Tragedy is one. And Comedy is one. And mm -hmm. the Rags to Riches story is another. Um, and these haven't changed in centuries. And so if you think you're going to be original, yeah, probably not. Uh, it's been done and that's okay. Um, same thing with your fears. It's, it's, you know, it's like all those PhD candidates going, oh, you didn't feel comfortable either. You don't, you don't think you belong here either. And I think that's, that's such a common thing. Um, for people beginning something new, my new students in my online mastery group next week will all feel that way. Um, and you know, part of my job is to convince them that it's okay. You yeah. gotta start somewhere. You gotta take those first steps. Fear is just part of the deal. Yeah. It's interesting too, Gary. I'm, I've been thinking a lot about re-beginnings. So for mm -hmm. example, probably I want to say 20 years ago, I, st I played bass guitar for the very first time. Mm. And part of my learning to play bass guitar was actually recording bass guitar for an album. Mm. And so, yeah, I'd played guitar for a while. And, and so I, I would just, I remember sitting on this stool with sections of the song on loop and I would come up with bass lines and then the producer would be like, that's great. We're moving on. And so now, as I'm kind of re-beginning, I have a new bass guitar and I've been picking it up again. Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny because 
20 years later, I can listen to what I did in ignorance mm -hmm. <laughs> and be like, how the hell did I come up with that? Right. Whereas now it's just like, I, for whatever reason in my head, I'm like, I have to learn how to play with my fingers instead of a pick. Uh -huh. And I'm just kind of like, why? Like, why can't I just approach it like I did when I was 20 and just kind of dive in and have fun with it? And so I've just been thinking about this whole notion of re-beginnings and picking things up again mm -hmm. later on after putting it down. Right. Well, that's happened in my life, but let's stay on the base. Mm -hmm. um, so you listen to a guy like Jacob Pistorius, mm -hmm. and you realize that he just threw out all the rules. <laughs> He just said, yeah, the hell with that. I mean, I'm yeah. just, I'm going to play a melody on this damn thing. Yeah. And um, just amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that, um, yeah, going back, I think is, is great because you, you bring some experience with you and, mm -hmm. and yeah, there's you know, probably more self doubt and checking yourself and stuff. But um Gosh, I think it's I think it's great that you're doing that again. Yeah, I didn't know that you play guitar. Yeah, I uh, I picked it up when I was 16 because I I tried to play Iron Man on the trumpet, and I'm like, Iron <laughs> Man just doesn't sound the same on, on the trumpet as it did coming out of Tony Iommi's fingers, no, his mangled uh, fingers. Yeah, you know. But it's just like so. I just I taught myself how to play, and oh great, I I would sit in my room and. I had earbuds for like the guitar processor, and then I had over-the-ear headphones for the for the CD. Oh wow! And I would just like play over and over again until I could play the riff. Uh huh. And and so it, it eventually I I just started writing music and, uh -huh. and noodling around on it, and it, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a recurring kind of like hobby in my life, and right. and I've been picking it up again. And learning some of the things that I didn't learn then, like how to solder electronics and mm -hmm. and things like that. But it, mm -hmm. it it is interesting though, kind of the 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 ideas that are in my mind now versus when they were cemented in my fingers right. as, as a kid. Right. Well, I, it I am not a musician, but I just find it so fascinating. Every every Rolling Stone song you hear, it's got this killer bass line going on, yeah. and you just go, "Oh, where do you, how do you think of that?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the jazz bassist, you know, the guy's doing the oh, yeah. oh god, uh, Niels Henning Horstead Pedersen, four four word name, uh, was this killer uh, bassist upright, and uh, who was he playing with? I just saw a YouTube, I forget, maybe an Oscar Peterson. Mm -hmm. And they were just screaming along. <laughs> they were just screaming. And you just go, well, I can't do that. <laughs> um, but it sure is fascinating to listen to. And, yeah. Um, but see, what's fun about that, I, I would hope for you, is, is understanding how much you know and how much you don't know. Yeah. And how much there is, and therefore, it it opens this door, and you can go, wow, 
there's a lot more to learn and yeah. it's exciting. I think it's exciting. I so. think, I think there's a relationship there that one has to get used to. Like, I, I think you have to get comfortable with, Oh, that's exciting. Cause I think for, I'm just now starting to get to that point of that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the last, maybe six years or so, I, I, I just wanted to arrive and not be like, having to worry about what's next. I think I just wanted to arrive and be settled with what I was doing, whether it was filmmaking or teaching or podcasting or music. Whereas now I think I'm trying to be more open to that is exciting that I don't know that Yeah, there's discovery that there's, I don't know if hope's the right word, but there's something there to sink your teeth into that's new. Well, I think that what happens in, and I'm going to say all fields, mm-hmm. um, is that you start off and you, you're terrible and you have <laughs> great ideas, but you, there's no way you can do them. Um, and, and you have to live through that muck of the first few years because you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And after three or four years, you start to strut a little bit and say, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty badass. I, yeah. yep. <laughs> I know what I've got going on. And then... Uh, if you stay with it, if you don't get killed by a veteran who's <laughs> sick of this attitude of yours, right? And I and I went through it, no question about it. Um, but if you stick with it, you go, oh, wait a second, there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot more stuff to learn, and and picking up that humility, yeah, allows you to to become curious again. And yeah. I think that's that's huge and. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but it it helps you live in a crazy world. Yeah. It really does. Um, That curiosity and wanting to get up in the morning so you can go discover something about mathematics or music or Mm. playing the bass. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And some people don't have that and they're dying. Um, I've got some friends who've finished their working life and they're going now what <laughs> yeah <laughs> i said well there's so many what's <laughs> pick one right but it doesn't seem to work for them that way and yeah. uh, so congrats thanks yeah are your fingers fingertips stop bleeding oh i don't play long enough in a day to to make my oh. fingers bleed okay uh, i'm it's funny because, like, as I told you recently, I, I just finished a, working at Home Depot. And uh-huh. uh, so, like, now I have to let my arms heal because oh. <laughs> I, just of all the pulling and lifting, like, right. my, my arms, even in five months, I can just feel the muscles and my, my forearms into my hands just mad at me. Oh, no kidding. No. But, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned humility, too, as, as a recipe almost for curiosity. Um, one, one quick story, you know, since I mentioned working at Home Depot, I was, um, probably about a year ago, I started writing a book kind of reflecting upon my creative journey. Mm -hmm. And I, I flashed back to my very first job, uh, six, 17 years old, making websites for this guy, uh, in town here. And 
as I was reflecting on it, I, I just kind of put myself as, as my 43 year old self and kind of sat next to my younger self in this place in my imagination. And I'm like, God, what an asshole. <laughs> like, what a complete arrogant jerk. Right. And, and so, you know, fast forward to like a month ago, I'm, I'm walking down the aisle and I look down an aisle up and, and lo and behold, like, I know that guy. That's my first boss. Oh, no kidding. And so I, I, he's in my department. So I walk up and I'm helping him out and, and, you know, we're, we're laughing, catching up. And I just said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this recently and I'm so sorry that my younger self was such an asshole. <laughs> arrogant lacked humility and he just started laughing he's like i wanted to fire you so many times <laughs> but he's like you were good at your job you just you you didn't need to know it so much right <laughs> but it, right. but i i just i i feel like as a human being as an artist as just a person who loves to talk to people i needed that moment mm -hmm. to be like i can make amends for my past self nice moment yeah, yeah. that's and, a nice moment and and so i think we need more of that in our creative journeys well i'd like to find the uh piano maker that i um ticked off years ago um and i you know i was probably i don't know how many years in <laughs> to building stuff and uh making furniture and, and somehow I'd found out that he was looking for someone to build his piano benches. This guy made custom pianos and I, and I toured his shop and it was fascinating. Um, just fascinating. He had machinery and big, big machinery and little tiny machines. And I mean, he did the whole thing and it's, and thinking about it, it's insane. <laughs> I just found, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, a documentary called Note by Note <laughs> on the making of Steinway L something, 531 or something, oh, wow. or 11,900. I don't know what the number was. Uh, but it was about the making of a particular Steinway mm -hmm. concert grand piano. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they, they did not do justice to the, to the technical aspects of things because i wanted the camera to just stay on the bending of the <laughs> of the form yes i mean there were like six guys bending this piano oh wow and i don't know how this guy did it by himself i mean and you know and they would make these uh you know curved bodies and then there would just be racks of them <laughs> drying <laughs> It was just fascinating. Anyway, so this custom piano maker was looking for someone to make the benches. And I said, well, I wanted to come by and, and see if, uh, if you were good enough for the kind of work that I, that I do. <laughs> and he just, he just, <laughs> he said, thanks very much. And see you later. <laughs> and, and, I would like to apologize to that guy, whoever you are, sir. I'm so sorry. I was a jerk. <laughs> I was a real jerk. I thought I knew something. That's that, that phase where you, you think you own the world, but you don't. You really don't. Yeah. yeah. I, I find a lot of beauty, though, in the t retelling of these stories. Oh, yeah. Because it, it helps us to move forward. Yeah. 
but that's a that's a pretty nice event to find someone from the past to yeah. apologize to. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> often happen. Yeah, and then just to continue stories. I mean, you know, you you, you can relive certain moments, and it's just fun to to be there. And even if I never see him again, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I. I've seen people the last five months that I never thought I'd see again, but it's just that idea of just like reliving moments, but then you can move on to new moments. And so it's like this sure. weaving in and out of past, present into your future. This is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see where you were and, and, um, and you try and learn from that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> And and hopefully give yourself the you know the space to you know, make your mistakes. Yeah, I like the word space because I I've also been thinking a lot about giving yourself grace, uh, and and just being like yeah, it's okay, calm down, right? Like just go make your mistakes, get through it, right? <laughs> and and forgiveness is such a huge part of it. I mean, we talk about failure, but the you know the next step needs to be forgiveness yeah and some people don't have it and i and i lacked it for a long long time um i remember i had a student in class once and he'd taken several classes from me nice guy and he made a mistake a dumb mistake everyone makes dumb mistakes i have another story for you about dumb mistakes but um <laughs> he made this mistake and he couldn't deal with it and he packed up his tools and he left and he never came back wow and and no one said anything to him no one said oh you dumb you know mm -hmm. uh no one said a word to him and it was just you know i knew that he had made the mistake and he just he just walked up and left just yeah it was stunning because he couldn't forgive himself yeah. he he did something so so dumb that he couldn't face me or face himself really that's really what it's about hmm. and that's that was tough to watch yeah i wrote him i said come on come on back and he just refused so, wow so i was um giving a workshop i was in north carolina and um i was new to traveling workshops so i flew there and then the next morning went to work <laughs> that was a huge mistake because the seminar started at eight in the morning which was five o'clock my time yeah <laughs> and uh i'm you know i did okay and i'm doing a, the talk and i'm doing some demonstrations with the router and i've got this one uh set up and i got this little box glued up and i'm running it through the router and i'm making a cut and i flip it and i make a cut and i flip it and i make the third cut and i got one more cut to do and for some reason i turn it 90 degrees and make the cut and it's just wrong <laughs> it's just wrong and i don't know why i did it i just went brain dead yeah and and i stopped and i just slapped my forehead and um lunchtime came along and a couple of guys came up to me and they said boy it was really great to see you make that mistake i do stupid <laughs> stuff like that all the time and it turned out to be one of the best things i'd ever done in a, yeah. in a seminar was making a dumb mistake and letting people know yeah everybody does stupid stuff mm -hmm. it's um yeah it's just 
you become human yeah. um, with these mistakes. But if you can't forgive yourself, you're toast. Right. There's, you just don't have a chance if you're not able to say, yeah, all right, I screwed up. Yeah. Well, it may, um, may take longer. For me, and, I, and I've told my apprentice Ali this, this story several times, uh, he still hasn't quite grasped it. But at the old studio, I would, um, if something occurred, something bad, some, something happened, uh, I would walk out the door. I finally learned to walk out the door. Yeah. Because once I walked out the door, the problem could shrink to its normal size. And then I would walk around the block. And by the time I got back, I would have a solution figured out. I'd get to it. I'd, and, and usually it took no time at all because I was so familiar with what had just happened. Um, the steps I would need to take to get back to that same spot. So mm -hmm. in, in woodworking, very technique-oriented. In music, Yo-Yo Ma, the great cellist, says he doesn't relax on stage until he makes his first mistake. <laughs> I love and that. no one heard it, probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except maybe if Pablo Casals was still alive and he would go, oh, I heard that. <laughs> but he'd be the only one. Everyone else is going, God, that guy's so good. He never yeah. makes a mistake. <laughs> but yeah, everyone does. Yeah. Well. Well, Gary, this has been such an enriching conversation. This is fun. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for um, just the way that, that you show a way forward for people, whether it's woodworking or just their creative selves in whatever field of study they're in. Just thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's I think particularly since COVID hit and people got holed up, um, they started to examine their lives and and it's important yeah. um i think it's important to forgive yourself and let yourself make a mistake and and open up those doors of curiosity it's so much fun yeah. thanks thanks for having me i took a lot of notes from this episode with gary but one i want to return to as we close this episode creativity is not a special club that only a few people can join it's for everybody. I love this sentiment that creativity is for everybody. And that includes the things that you care about, whether you make money with it or not. Put the things you care about, the things that you're creating out into the world, share them, and keep learning. Build that creative process and refine it and just learn to enjoy what you're doing. I don't know if you heard on the previous episode with Goff, but I just launched a new newsletter for Getting Work to Work, and you can subscribe on the newsletter page at gettingworktowork.com. It's going to be recaps of this week's episodes, along with some additional thoughts that uh, I've been gleaning from my readings and conversations with people. I hope that you'll subscribe and get a lot from that newsletter, as well as from this podcast. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.